that the team said, okay, it was developed by third party. We had enough of fixing the bugs there. Let's just decommission it and put it behind our very more secure code base. So like we actually managed to get a product decommissioned, which is nice achievement, yeah, I guess. I mean, poor people if they lost their jobs. I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Hey guys, quick reminder before you hop into this week's episode, WordFence is still running their holiday bug extravaganza through December 20th and paying 6.25 times the normal bounty amounts. Over the past week, over 200 critical thinking listeners have set up their WordPress testing environment and the WordFence team reports multiple crits turned in by critical thinking listeners. So I really appreciate it, you guys. You guys have been crushing it. Um, the best way to support the podcast is to hack on our sponsors, and you guys have been doing just that. So if you guys want to get in on the action, if you haven't already, head over to ctbb.show slash WF for WordFence, ctbb.show slash WF. You can find the program sign-up link there and some Docker install scripts to get you started. And of course, when you do finally turn in your report, don't forget to mention critical thinking for that extra 10% bonus on top of your normal bounty. Um, with that, I guess we'll get to the episode. This week, we've got guest Gal Naglion for a second time. We're going to be discussing the live hacking event scene and some bugs we found collaborating together over a week of hacking in person. Hope you guys enjoy. Alrighty, man. Round two. <laughs> we, uh, we just got settled in the, uh, in the sunroom here at my house, and we recorded for 15 minutes, and then we realized that the mute button on, Magli on uh, Nagli's mic is was on so once again welcome to the podcast Thank Nagli. you. happy to be here for the second time and let's hope this one my mic is working let's right let's it's hope too so complex for me this we can <laughs> very we can expensive see. microphone um all right man so let's see we can talk about a bunch of live hacking event stuff and we should i think and i think we will but i think before we get into that let's talk about some of the hacking we've done over the past couple days um because we have been working together on some hacking stuff for what, probably three or four days. Um, yeah. And I think we found some pretty interesting stuff. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about the www.root.zip thing that you came upon and how we kind of exploited that. So give me, give me a little bit of an intro into that. Yeah, so it was just one random domain suddenly pops up on my Slack automation with uh, exposed www.root uh, backup file, zip file, whatever you can call it. It's just, it's nothing fancy, just random uh, nuclear template. So when you see a backup file, I mean, first thing you would want to report it right away, you know, so it won't be dupe or mm. anything else, and then all the efforts will go, uh, will go down. And while we open it, it was ASP.NET app, full of source code, bin files, config files, web.config, and so on. So nothing really, I mean, you, you wouldn't find like AWS credentials out of nowhere in the source code or like PII leakage of all users, some stuff like that. There were some juicy stuff, some source code, but still you would want maybe to take it, you know, one step further, not only the, the probably the exposure is a critical for itself, but maybe we can find more stuff to, to do with it. To yeah. Do with that. Yeah. So, I mean, source code exposure at that level definitely, I think is a critical in and of itself, but a lot of programs want to see impact from that too. Um, and so, you know, obviously we went and got that impact. So we'll talk about that. But um, 
the the initial discovery i kind of want to double click into that as well is that was that a custom nuclei template that you had or was that a one of the defaults that were in the list or is do you have so many now it's kind of hard to keep track yeah i think it's just the default uh, wow. backup files templates okay that's awesome so and then how fast did you respond to this uh, after because you, you've got automation running these nuclei scans across all of the targets that you have in your system yeah. uh you know at a certain pace how fast did you have to respond to be the first one to report this? It really depends. Some of the stuff you have to be really, really fast. Like .git config, for example, you can't let it lay down for more than half an hour, maybe, or, mm. or five minutes until mm. someone will pick it up. But this one, I, I'm not sure I was that fast uh, about it because it was just a random template. I I mean, I, didn't, I don't do much of root cause analysis, like whether the host was just new and that's why I got it. Because it's not a dupe. I mean, I got, I got it triaged eventually was like two or three weeks ago um, but I mean certainly you want you want to report your findings less than one day after you after, after you get notification or something like that so that one I'm not sure if it was like rapid the same second but it always depends if you find a new host if the host just became publicly accessible or if you know some something happened so yeah I'm not really sure how long it took but it wasn't rapid. it wasn't in a minute I guess uh, for that one yeah no that makes sense I, I think you know when you're doing automation scanning like that with nuclei, you kind of got to be pretty quick to scan all of your targets as well. And so for that, are you are you using um, are you distributing those scans, or you actually just have one box just like pounding all of these hosts with nuclei? Yeah, so I use Axiom to distribute like okay. most of the heavy scan that I want to do fast. Mm. I also just created a shockwave box for like. I, I literally went manually to all through all of my programs on HackerOne and Background, and I collected a list of 90 programs that I, I consider good, paying well, wildcard, good teams. And then I will just add the only their root domains to like a more dedicated scanning feature that we can see like changes more, more frequent, like easier way to see with UI and stuff like that. So I like, there is the entire program data set that someone can suddenly expose a backup file and we can find good money. And there is the problems that I know, okay, we need to keep close eyes on, the, close eyes on them for changes because they develop and ship new line of code every few days and they have good bounty. So like I divided my scanning and my targets to two different... Uh, nice. So you've got sort of like the, the S tier programs and then, you know, some the other... All the rest. Gotcha. And then, then the rest. No, that, that makes sense. And that incentivizes programs to really, you know, pay some good bounties because hackers like this are, like Nogli, are doing that sort of thing. So that's cool. Um, um, Shockwave, you mentioned there. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, you know, un, uninterrupted to do a shockwave promotion right now. Yeah. So, so look, look right there into the camera and talk, talk to us about your product shockwave. Yeah. Basically we try to help companies, small or big, just give us your root domain, give us your company name. We'll show you all your assets, technologies, very easy to see with one clicks, very easy to scan with your own templates, even with nuclei or whatever scanners you'd like to see. Also for companies or campaigns or projects who wants to launch a bug bounty campaign or like mm. a way to interact with the with their external researchers through comments and markdown mm. we have that very easily integrated and set up everything is in the website so no i mean no nonsense here just you can see and so so it's sort of like an asm plus bug bounty interface of challenges vip prom. i mean you could invite your top researchers to see all your assets you know instead of giving excel file or google sheets file or ah, google Docs. so you can add the researchers to the actual asm yeah, interface as well they can have yeah. like only view only you know 
I mean, imagine like an Akewano background program instead of giving you CSV file and parse it, run HTTPX, go to stuff, just having the entire researchers and, you know, you can just skip the recon, focus on manual. That's right? awesome, man. No, I, I totally dig that. So yeah, definitely. Uh, what's, the, what's the domain where people can find uh, out? Shockwave.cloud. Shockwave.cloud. Check it out, y'all. Um, so you've got Shockwave, you know, your Shockwave instance set up um, and we get this ping you report it as quickly as you can. You know, this one was a little bit slower, uh, but the whole source code for this app is sort of leaked in, in the uh, document route. Um, and the team comes back and they want more, more impact with it. And no, actually they, I mean, I reported it 11 days ago, mm. then no one, no, not really were on it, sadly. And then the team reopened it and like three days ago and said, hey, is it still working? So I'm like, I'm not sure, wait, did you fix it? Was it fixed by its own? Do you want me to retest? So, it's like hanging in between, so I say let's we can still exploit it. So let's see, let's see what we can get out of it. Yeah, and and obviously the source code disclosure is a problem, but we want to try to bring actual tangible impact to the asset as it is currently. Because if they had said if they had had somebody delete that file and then they go back and look at your report, they're like, well, we didn't make a change because of your report, so. I mean, they might even fix it like it's resolved now. We can't access the file, but yeah. it's still not resolved. You know, if someone got the file, it's like, yeah. you can still get the stuff that we, we managed to It's, the, it's the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, especially in those ASP environments. Because what, what we ended up doing with that was uh, the backup, the zip file backup had the prod machine key in the web.config file um, uh, for that application. And then what we were able to do was use why so serial to craft a deserialization view state uh, or a view state that would get deserialized and execute some malicious code. Um, and then that proved that we were able to actually turn it into RCE and that they also hadn't fully resolved this bug because they hadn't ro rotated the prod yeah, machine key. So some bugs, I mean, they can resolve the exposure, but they need to rotate some keys and stuff. It's like yeah. instant response after the initial discovery. Yeah, and, and sometimes you can get a second bounty for that, um, you know, if they really don't do a good job of, of cleaning up after them. So that's another you know, it's kind of tip to keep in the forefront of your mind. But something that was interesting to me technically about this bug um, that as, as you know, we started collaborating on actually shelling the box and getting an RCE um, was that the ASPX file that we sent this request to uh, with the view state, it actually had some source code in it that said view state enabled false. Yeah. Like and, and, and so, you know, you, when looking at that, you might think that the view state isn't getting parsed, but, uh, I found in this article somewhere that back in 2014, they just said, all right, we're just going to ignore this parameter. Exactly. And they're going to parse it anyway. So, um, you're still able to get that, uh, even if the view state is set to false, um, specifically within the document or within that specific file. Um, and then, so let's talk about the second piece that happened there. So now we've popped the RCE and we're good, but now there's still a bunch of source code, you know, that we've got access to. Yeah. And for us, that looked like a couple ASPX files. Um, and we were able to expand that, that scope quite a bit by looking through the source code that was there and finding that there were a couple DLLs uh, in that, in that source code that were being referenced in the ASPX files. And, Inside and those DLLs um, were were created uh, using uh, ASP.NET, and so they could be 
reversed using a software called dot peak. Uh, and so we, we loaded it up into dot peak and we got access to a massive amount of source code that was powering this whole application. Um, and it depends, you know, they might bring this asset inside the network. Uh, and I, I might advise them to bring the, the asset inside the network. At so this I wouldn't point. double down, like spend a month on it before we see like the reaction to the, to the second bug, you know, see what, what they want to do with the host. Yeah. It's important to be outside. All right. So, so in scenarios like this, you normally wait to go down that additional exploitation path. Um, assuming we have permission from the program to yeah. use the source code and that sort of thing. Um, you normally wait to see how they are going to deal with that scenario before you go down that path of extra exploitation. Yeah, not in terms of holding bugs, but in terms of not spending time for nothing, you know? Mm. Like, let's see how the reaction and let's continue from there because we don't want to spend two weeks on bugs that you will fix with one, one go or will reward one bounty for, so in, the, in that sense. Yeah, you got to try to avoid those scenarios. Um, so that was a fun one that we found. Uh, let's see, what is uh, what yeah, I mean, the only reason that I contact, I mean, yeah. we, we saw the secret, secret and there was, that mm-hmm. I said, there, there was, was no like AWS access key or env or mm-hmm. passwords, but I saw the pod machine key and then I just remembered on the back of my head some tweets of, I think Shabs used to do a lot of ASP.NET or other people and they and always Andre, say, yeah. if, if you, you find web config, if you find pod machine key, you ever see. So like, you have this on the back of your head and say, okay, yeah, Justin, you want. Maybe you you could dig a little bit further there. So that's yeah. it. When you get a prod machine key, feel free to reach out <laughs> to Justin, <laughs> and uh, and he will he will try to get that RC for you. Um, no, that's good, man. I, and I think it's it's a good you know various hackers have different different skills, and um, you know I would have never found that www.root.zip just because I don't scan for that sort of thing on a regular basis, and then we can kind of put our minds together to actually get the RCE. So it's a good collab. Yeah. Um, the next interesting bug that we found was this Swagger file that turned into an S3 bucket arbitrary read. So uh, talk to me about the, the, I guess, initial recon and discovery process for that. Yeah, I mean, you, you always like to, to look for Swagger files, either for trying the XSSs, which barely work these days. Most of them are fixed. Unless someone wants to find a new zero day on Swagger and it will be very, very good. Very good one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So instead of just looking for access, sometimes you have uh, unauthenticated access to execute API calls and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So the the one host that we found was like very weird API calls. They just list tons of data, which first looked like it's dev or demo, but it was production data actually. Mm-hmm. And we had to piece out, like to assemble a lot of small pieces to get to some impact mm-hmm. out of the host. But we found like a good, eventually we found like a good leader that uh, we could get directory list access to an internal S3 bucket by, and because we were able to get a pre-signed URL on a pass, like not on an endpoint. And then it just gave us access to the, to the host. If you want to expand a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I guess the first step of that was starting to sort of recreate the, um, the requests and try to piece together the logic because a swagger file is great because it gives you the sort of technical details, but it doesn't always kind of explain all the lingo behind everything and uh, all of the purposes of, of the various functions. Actually, there were docs there, but it's an internal domain. Like they said, if you want to read about how it works, check this internal domain. And we're like, oh, drat, <laughs> can't do that. Um, so we're trying to piece it together and it was actually a couple layers deep, right? So in order to find the initial, uh, in order to find the string 
I guess, the format of the ID that we needed to give to the endpoint that ended up leaking the, the pre-signed URL to the S3 bucket, we had to go through a couple, two other API calls to get uh, to list all of the objects associated with some stuff and then pick one of the sub-objects within there, get more details on that object, and then that leaked to the ID. And then we used that ID to get access to the S3 bucket arbitrarily. Um, so it goes to show, you know, when you're looking for these, when you're seeing these Swagger APIs pop up, you know, sometimes it's a little bit unfortunate because you go and you check them out and, and then it says auth required, auth required, auth required. But in scenarios where auth is not required, it, it definitely pays to sort of double click into those and read through and kind of experiment. We probably spent what, like two hours playing around with those endpoints? Yeah. Yeah, um, and and I think we'll get a good bounty for it. So that that should definitely be interesting to see how that one pans out because we just found it like earlier today or yesterday. I mean, the, the whole thing is a question what you respond, what the responses and what you see returns like from your actions. Like I tried to put a full URL there, mm-hmm. like with an actual log endpoint, and then I got like not found, like the endpoint directory mm-hmm. wasn't found. I said, mm-hmm. okay, what happens if I just remove the endpoint and check the directory? Mm-hmm. And then it gave you full access to the directory with pre-signed URL. So that's like question everything you see, okay, we can't find this. Can we find, can we make the API do other? Yeah, and sort of ideate, you know, on top of that too. Like even, even as you're thinking, you can be, you know, deleting various paths and seeing how far it'll let you traverse back up in that scenario because we had an ID that contained paths um, that we were kind of working with. And so uh, that was that was the way we ended up actually popping it there. Um, so yeah, I guess... Swagger Swagger files, do you often actually inspect the content of the Swagger files that you're searching for? Or are you just kind of looking to pop XSSs with the Swagger files? How does that play into your normal automation? I'm not doing routinely scanning for that. It's like there are thousands. So it's like one of the most popular endpoints for like random, you know, that is common for every program around the world. Once in a while, if it's an interesting program or if I want to do some manual hacking and check Swaggers, less in the automation side, uh, yeah. side of things. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do the, uh, hey, Google, turn on the sunroom lights. There we go. Wow. Look at, <laughs> look, look, look at that. Look at that technology coming into play. For those of you actually listening to this podcast as an audio medium, uh, we just turned on all the lights in the sunroom. Uh, by yes, by voice. Um, so yeah, that was that was a great bug, and then I kind of want to talk to you as well about and sort of debate with you the URL dot <laughs> domain. We're gonna need to bleep that one, but that's the one that we spent. I spent a bunch of time on, and you told me to give up on, and then I ended up conf- confirming that it is vulnerable, but uh, it's gonna take yeah. at least seventy days worth of. Uh, of HTTP requests to actually pop this bug because of the uh, sort of cryptographic complexity of the vulnerability. Um, so this domain we you found just through normal recon and then you passed it off to me, right? Yeah. Can, you, can you elaborate on that at all? Or? So we found some, it's like a, a domain for well-known targets and they have a lot of subdomains. And we, we found the one domain which is, was pointing to a third party. It was just a login panel. Then you see the version down there. It was like 1.74 1. or 1.7. Yeah, 1.74. And then the, the one thing you do, the first thing you do is look for CVEs, you know, for that version. Yeah. And we just saw critical CVE solved for version 1.73 or what, patched in 1.74. So we are 
right on the verge of okay is it vulnerable or not like mm-hmm. that, that's the verge so yeah in order to confirm it there was public cv public poc which basically tells you okay you need to brute force a lot until you get a collision like mm. php type yeah it, it was a php type juggling pub yeah and and it required you to generate a hash that starts with zero e and this is an md5 hash zero e and then every other character in the whole hash is a number rather than a letter yeah. um which is very very tricky to make happen um but we were running i was working with another hacker and we were kind of running the math on it and he says he thinks we can do it in roughly 70 days of brute forcing nonstop. so and it would be it would be a pretty impactful bug if it actually popped so uh i'm gonna set up a script and just kind of have it run because why not i think for those stuff maybe if it's a good team and i think here it's a good team you could try and ask them like maybe in the chat in the back of one of your reports or like in a new report hey i mean i'm pretty sure it's vulnerable because we we actually diffed the github version and saw that it's on the vulnerable version i mean would you accept it without me brute forcing it for 70 days like <laughs> killing the server and stuff like that yeah you know, that could work sometimes filling up all of the log files yeah um yeah and and i think just to clarify or to dive a little deeper on what we did to confirm it was vulnerable even though the advisory said it was patched in 1.7.4 what we ended up doing was going to the github because it's an open source software um and we uh, I guess hosted within the organization, it's an open source software. Um, and we found that there was a modification to the readme.html uh, file that was done right before uh, the change that fixed the critical vulnerability. And it was modifying a lowercase h to an uppercase h. That's it. Um, and when we w- went to the readme.html file, we ended up finding that it was the lowercase h still, confirming that it had not been, that the vulnerability had not been patched, uh, that there had been other changes made in that same version, uh, but they had when they pulled down that version, it it wasn't to the point where it had yeah ha- had had the patch in it yet. So we were able to uh, identify that it should still be vulnerable. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, we could we could reach out to the program. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, worst case, they tell you exploit it. That's yeah. the worst case. Yeah. The best case scenario is they accept it and patch, yeah. which is easy. So. Well, best case, you get the bounty which you deserve. Worst case, you need to do what you want to do anyway. So, like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a better idea to yeah. let them know. Yeah, I'll, re- I'll reach out to them, see if we can get it to pop. Um, but I spent, because uh, the exploit that, that was out there, the, the uh, POC that was published was a... HTTP. Yeah, it was it was only for HTTP, and uh, it, the server that we were interacting with would only communicate over HTTPS. So you had to rewrite the exploit for HTTPS compatible, which wasn't very tricky. Actually, you told me to do have ChatGPT do it, and I was like, uh-huh, very funny. And then I I told ChatGPT to do it, and it like generated almost all of the code. I just only had to make a couple modifications. Hey guys, if our weekly episode isn't enough bug bounty content for you, then you'll definitely want to join the Critical Thinking Podcast Discord. There's tons of channels in there where people are asking and answering questions, collaborating on exploits, and even developing tools together. Also, for those of you that are interested in supporting the pod, we've got premium subscriber tiers that get access to things like AMAs and masterclasses. So if you're interested in that, head over to ctbb.show slash discord, ctbb.show slash discord to get in on some of the action. All right, back to the show. Then, you know, there was the whole process of like, okay, 
is it something wrong with this exploit or is it something wrong with this, you know, the server and it's not actually vulnerable, right? Or is it just taking time? And at the end of the day, um, you know, me and this other hacker that, that went after it uh, sort of determined that the server was definitely vulnerable, uh, which just is going to take a bunch of time. So uh, I got to go set up a script after this to actually continuously monitor that. And reach out to the team, to the team maybe. Yeah, see yeah. That we don't dist- actually disturb the services. Yeah? Exactly. Um, yeah, all right. So that's that's what we had for the bugs that we found. Let me see if there's anything else on here. Oh, yeah. Do you want to tell them? Uh, 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 no, I'll do the honors. And the S3 bucket was filled with, drum roll please, credit card transaction data. Um, so it should be, should be pretty juicy when the team gets that one and gets that one triaged. Um, so, all right. Let's, uh, let's take, we're going to go get some dinner here shortly, I think. But uh, let's go ahead and discuss the live hacking event season that we had in 2023. And then also go and talk about the new live hacking event standards that dropped uh, for 2024, not too long ago, because they made some changes that are looking quite good. Um, First, I want you to tell me about two live hacking events that you've been to this year. Buenos Aires and... uh, uh, actually, uh, let's do three because these are the ones that I'm the most salty to have missed. Okay, Buenos Aires—that's the uh, Ambassador World Cup. We got the uh, Facebook event in Singapore. No, 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 no. in in uh, South Korea. That's right. And um, and then we have uh, Hacker One Las Vegas, which I didn't go to uh, by choice, <laughs> which which was which was a hard decision to make, but I think the right one for me at the time. Um, so start with uh, Buenos Aires, and, and that was an Ambassador World Cup event. Tell me a little bit about that and how that sized up to normal live hacking events that we that we go to on a regular basis. Yeah, so basically this, this is the second edition of the Hacking One uh, Ambassador World Cup, mm-hmm. and the first year there wasn't any live hacking event, but it was a very good event, you know, bounty wise. Yeah, it, the biggest perk was and still is that it gives more people opportunities to get to live hacking events. They usually save some slots from the competition to to show up for the team. or was community uh, edition that they nominate for the events. I got my first event invite just from participating and doing well in the Ambassador World Cup uh, last year. So this year we were in the group stage with Team Spain, which we actually battled for the first place eventually. And uh, one part of Team USA. I don't know if you. Yeah. I think you were there. Maybe? No, no, it, it wasn't <laughs> mine. It was. Uh, it was the West Coast. No, it was yours. Uh, the it was so Team USA is sw- is split into multiple different teams. Yeah. Um. My my team. <sighs> yeah, how many teams did you have? I only had one team. No, how many teams did the US have? The US had two teams. Yeah. So you we were against you. No, yeah. you were against USA team. Oh, you mean in the beginning of, yeah. the, of the World Cup? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the beginning. Not, not, I thought no, you were, we were only one. Oh, okay, okay. So you guys, the, the other team, the, the West Coast yeah, they team, lost the that's right, they got knocked out on the other side. So you're right. You were against me in the beginning uh, uh, and freaking knocked us out first round. Uh, it was you and Spain were also in that same bracket, right? So... You know, US Zero had it hard from the beginning uh, because we had up against such uh, such strong competition. Um, yeah, I mean, we were very happy in the quarterfinals this year that they announced to the eight ambassadors that were left. Okay, we didn't know if it would be like a knockout for the final in person, like two teams, 24 members each, or it would be like four teams. So then they announced before the quarterfinal stage that there would be four teams. So it was very good motivation for the quarterfinals. We were against Singapore in the quarterfinal and we beat them. So 
that was good then in the quarter final uh, then the semi-final was online as well mm. we beat team france there it was hard battle there as well and then for the finals we flew, four teams flew 12 10 members from each team and then it was the fight for the first place and the fight for the third place mm. nepal and france for mm. the third place mm. uh, us and israel and spain for the first place mm. and it was the same target same environment same lhe vibes as always but like you know you battle for different uh, different prizes okay so all of the the top four teams so first second third and fourth you know whatever undecided places they were in yet, yeah they were all hacking on the same target so yeah. you were duping each other on the same targets yeah. and did it have a dupe window or uh hmm, to remember if there was a dupe window it wasn't a big one because i don't remember i no i don't think there was no dupe window oh really yeah i think it was sometimes you could say welcome change because i found lock full chain five minutes after the after the event started so that was like super crazy so, so did you just like load up the domains into your into your shockwave tool and then it just like yeah i do that but actually i found it randomly not from that like on the, my routine scans just lock for j out of not on in scope domain before the targets were announced no like way. before we knew the customer I, I got an alert 30 minutes before it was in person we were actually in portugal at the time and the spain team were around me and i told them hey i just found look for j got 10k after two hours they paid me like so some good things they did they pay you right away ah. and no dupe window so those are like i mean dupe window you could say sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad mm. but they pay you also right away and not only in the event so it was very very nice to start the event like that okay so so they actually the whole time they were paying they weren't waiting yeah. to do payouts until the they whole time, yeah, yeah. wow so you're already coming to the event already having a lot of the bounties in your pocket yeah. that I bet, i bet that made for a nice environment actually at the at, in buenos aires because you were you were already paid out in a lot of ways you were kind of i mean i don't know maybe the competition was still no, raging, in one end yes but in the second end because the point system is not reputation based and not bounty based it was only it's like severity and volume based mm-hmm. so we didn't really know the rankings it was like internally for the hacker one team they had uh-huh. to do a lot of calculations maybe for next year they will have a proper leader for just to display the points so our team was like first second and third like three people me matan bear and avishai yeah. on the bounties but it doesn't mean that we are going to win because like 10 like four mediums mm-hmm. are one critical or three mediums is one crit yeah so even if we have 10 crits and they're 50 mediums it's like It's even better than that. They had the crits also as well, but we had like the most crits. So you don't really know if you're winning or losing on site, which oh. it adds a little bit of suspense. But I mean, the bounty sometimes is good to get uh, yeah. before and so, less stress. So, I mean, with, with that then, do you prefer the live hacking event-based money sort of order of payouts? Or I guess like in the live hacking events, the leaderboard is based off of how much money you've earned. Right? Do you prefer that or do you prefer this system no, with how much bounty like like today like we have today, how much bounty you earn I think it's the most uh, it's the best you know farming you no know, uh, yeah. no other stuff that you could do but I mean team competition it's interesting to have a point system I guess it makes sense to have points and not bounty the bounty base because there are some targets like PayPal or like uh, like one man show targets you know like Alex Wilson or Joe Hash people like that they get a target that they would easily win alone with one hand. You know, yeah, so sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you need like team competition with point system, man. and it yeah. makes sense in this. Uh, that that makes sense, man. So so you've got the Ambassador World Cup. Seems like it was very LHEE with a little bit of changes to it. Yeah. You know, for the for some the, experiments. Yeah, some experiments that seem to have gone well. Um, talk to me about the uh, South Korea event 
with with Facebook because like man was I bummed to not have been able to go to that event. I had a uh, bachelor party that weekend, um, so I wasn't able to make it out there. But it seemed awesome. And I think you said out of all the destinations that you've been to for the live hacking events, South Korea was one of your favorite, right? Yeah, it's very good. The vibes there are very good, very chill. Like it's a very nice country. Um, I got reached out from one of Facebook's uh, former uh, program managers. She, they wanted to invite, like, they have their inner circle, they have leagues, they have gold leagues, diamond leagues, but they also wanted, like, other LHE hackers from Hacker One, from Baka, and so on. So uh, we got into the event, me, Joel, and TechnoGeek decided, eh, no, Joel is TechnoGeek. Me, <laughs> me, Joel, and Space Raccoon decided to collaborate yeah. and see if we can find anything. And actually, uh, just as I was on the train to get to catch the flight, we managed to land together access on DubDubDub, which is like super rare. Even, you know, Yusuf is one of the best hackers on Facebook. He said it's super rare to see, see the stuff. So we got paid good and it was very, very nice to get that. But also, the, I mean, it's nice to see events from other companies as well, see how they manage it, uh, how some stuff that they do differently or not. But it was very good experience there. Can you can you talk about the XSS a little bit? Um, I guess vaguely, was it a reflected XSS or a DOM-based XSS? It was some DOM post-message stuff. Basically, mm-hmm. we found embedded inside WWW, they had some service which was open source. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was Excalibur. Probably, I think mm-hmm. Space Raccoon is filled actually a zero day for it yeah, or one yeah, day. Yeah. I think they fixed it uh, already. So Joel was already messing, we were messing with some code QL uh, mm-hmm. stuff to reverse engineer. So he took that code, put it in code QL. He saw some uh, XSSing. I mean, he told him there is XSSing, but I mean, if code QL tells you there's XSS, you're far away from actually ex- get, seeing the pop up. Yeah. So we reached out to Space Raccoon and he told us that he found a very, very, very similar bug on other big company. So he just looked at it. Okay, modification here, modification there. Yes, public blog about another very similar, just detailed all the way. So wow. took him 20 minutes and we got our very good bug for the event. Dang, man, that's crazy. So, so Joel is actually hitting with code well. That's yeah. that's an interesting uh, uh, approach to that. I haven't I haven't used code QL at all, especially not in a JavaScript context. That 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 seems like a, an interesting. I'm not sure if it was JavaScript for for the uh, li- library. It must have been right. No, so it was like a third party product uh, embedded into into Facebook. I don't remember which code. It's like uh, one of the code QLs. Gotcha, gotcha. That that that's really cool. Yeah. No, I, I dig that. And and that was that was. I mean, I imagine you guys found other bugs at event, but that was the crowning jewel of the event for y'all. Yeah, other bugs were a little different. I mean, it's hardware and it's called Facebook, so it's mm-hmm. like very very hard to find some good bugs. I had some few minor ones, but yeah, that was the the big one. Man, I wanna I wanted to go to it so bad. Um, all right, so that's that's the Singapore event. I'm not Singapore. I'm sorry, South Korea. Again, I keep on getting that mixed up in my head. Um, the last one, Vegas. Missed this one because of Mariah's birthday. Uh, I, I'm going to try to come every other year, but it always goes over her birthday. So yeah. uh, sometimes I got to stay home and uh, and enjoy the family life over here. But this year, kind of tell me how Vegas went and what were your what were your thoughts on the live hacking event? Yeah, so the vibes were very good. It was two very big and good customers from previous LHE as well and so on. Uh, great bonuses, uh, great people that came along. It was very, we had some small fun challenges between ourselves as well, uh, me and the other people. For example, we found Franz Rosen a little board, which is very rare to see him a board because he got so many bounties, so he didn't know what to do. So I was, I was fighting some XSS and literally I took my computer, I gave him the URL. 
I set up a timer of 10 minutes and they took care in cash, I think, dollars, and I put it near him. There is a picture of it somewhere or video. And I told him, okay, you have 10 minutes to get to bypass the waffle, which I, I know he wouldn't be able to do, which is he can do everything. But I think I saw this one. He couldn't. If you bypass it, you get a 2K cash. Uh, because I needed it for a bag. Please tell me he did it. No, he couldn't. Uh, <laughs> he couldn't. Oh, no. But he made way more, so it's okay. Oh, <laughs> that would have been ridiculous if he had bypassed it in 10 minutes. Yeah, because it was like very, very difficult to off and other. It, w- it would be a zero day on some very big, big stuff. Oh, big my thing, gosh. So. But it was fun, fun challenge and good bounties, uh, good bugs. We managed to find some very, some very critical bugs. Uh, even one of the products that I was hitting was just decommissioned mm-hmm. after the event. I mean, we were able to find so many bugs and critical ones on this very important component of one of the products that the team said, okay, it was developed by third party. We had enough of fixing the bugs there. Let's just decommission it and put it behind our very more secure code base. So like we actually managed to get a product decommission, which is nice achievement. Yeah, that, I, guess. I mean, so poor people, if they lost their jobs, I don't know. That does feel good though. When, when you just see the host like disappear and never appear again. I mean, I, I'm, I lost some, I lose some bounties now because of that, because the host is dead now, Yeah, but uh, it was fun experience. Yeah. Hopefully they won't do that to our, our Vuln that we mentioned earlier with yeah, the, yeah. Uh, where we got the source code now. That would be that would be great if we could hold on to that and keep keep trying to find bugs yeah. there. Um all right, man. Let's uh let's go get some dinner soon. But um I want to talk about the life hacking event standards that dropped. So I'm gonna go ahead and pull it up here on my phone and you can pull it up on your computer. Yeah, it's new season starting now. Yeah, so the new season for live hacking events is uh, is coming up uh, in 2024. We both got our uh, invites today for a yeah. live hacking event in January, which we can't give any other details on right now, but we, we're pretty hyped for. So that should be great. Um, I took some notes here. I kind of read through it and took some notes here. The first thing that I kind of saw that looked most interesting was they're uh, offering up to 10 researchers invites uh, with this condition. HackerOne platform performers over the last 180 days, researchers with 75% or greater submissions rated high or critical in more than five total higher crits in that time frame. Uh, And then this list is prioritized by total rewards in the last uh, 180 days. So it looks like they're looking for hackers that have uh, pretty much just submitted high and critical reports in the past six months with over a 75% amount of that, right? And they yeah. pulled the the impact requirements from everything. Yeah, impact, they started, they pulled it last year, I think, actually, mm-hmm. because it was like hard 22 impact, which eventually didn't make sense because you don't want, I mean, collab, basically, because collab takes your impact down as mm-hmm. well, tough, so you can't tell people not to collab, so it was good. It's good that they took it off uh, from there. This stats, it's a little, it's still hard here to understand mm-hmm. because it, it tells you to report less medium and lows, but mm-hmm. I mean, most, some people have this by default above 75% higher mm-hmm. grade. I think I have above 75, uh, probably Cosmin, Evit, uh, Alex mm-hmm. Virsen, those guys probably answered that criteria, but uh, it doesn't reflect on the leaderboards, right? On the Hacker One leaderboards today. Because <laughs> if you t- check top 10, I think, Nine of them are not having only high and crit. Wow, that that's crazy. I definitely did not have above seventy five percent high and crit yeah. reported, as I report, you know, lots of mediums and lows just as a part of my normal flow. Um, is that is that something that you're doing 
intentionally? Are you not reporting the lows? No, the I'm not doing that. Just... I'm, I'm reporting mediums. I, I don't find. I wish I would find, automation would find more mediums and lows, but it's more money. But I mean, this year I found less medium and lows, but if I find, I, I of course I will report them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this stat, I think maybe they could remove, like, let's say, remove the restriction of 75%, but have a hard gap. Okay, you have to have 10 crits or 10 high end crits paid, and also minimum bounty. Like at least 50k for yeah. six or at least 100k for six months. That would be also yeah. could be a good barrier. Also, no, I really, one. I really like that. I would love to see them move this top performer on the platform to strictly bounties earned from highs in crits vulnerabilities. Like if they're looking for people that are dropping a lot of highs in crits, then you should just look at highs in crits and then sort by amount of money earned yeah. from those highs in crits reports, right? Because you're essentially what that proves is you're finding lots of highs in crits on targets that are paying highs in crits well. So I think that would accompli uh, accomplish their same yeah, goal. So you don't want to have like one person, let's say Corbin, find say one 500k bug on OpenSea or like uh -huh. some, yeah. we may, yeah. let's say find 200k bug. So you want to have like 10, you need to have like 10 of this in the period and you need to have the bounty average or the bounty, yeah. bounty stat. Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, but there's a good opportunity there because I feel like there's probably not as many people that are submitting 75% highs or crits. Yeah. So if you really, if like your life goal is to get invited to a live hacking event, then it might be worthwhile to um, maybe pass these bugs off to a friend or trade bugs off with a friend uh, or and just focus on submitting highs and crits for six months if you want to get invited. Yeah. Um, the next sort of section that I thought we might have some some conversation about is uh, up to three researchers that are new to live hacking events. And this is researchers who have shown criticality, consistency, and contributed to the community across HackerOne platform, but have not participated in a live hacking event previously. Hackers must have the below criteria, greater than 5K rep, greater than 5Signal. Um, and so it seems like that is not too crazy of a criterion there yeah. right like there are a lot of people that have above 5k rep and above five signal yeah i mean nowadays i think i think when hacking one first began and i wasn't still yeah. hacking on yeah. the plans signal was more in play because there were way more na's this day i think there was way less na's only if you're really spamming you get yeah, na yeah. and your signal is getting uh, affected yeah but above 5k it's fair yeah. like if you get 5k it means you did something i mean mm -hmm. i would say some people could have 5k only from vdps as well but it's easy to filter if someone has no bounties but mm -hmm. above 5k i think ali actually got his mm -hmm. first live hacking event invite because of that he was like new to live hacking mm -hmm. events and he got he got a chance as a community choice this year so now yeah. they have this criteria and he did very well on the event that he participated in so it's a good it's a good good one to have yeah yeah no i really like this one and i think it'll bring some fresh blood in and the the criterion is not so um, difficult yeah, that yeah. It, it excludes a bunch of people. So I, I imagine what this will look like is either a lottery or some sort of um, choice system because there's going to be a lot of people that yeah. meet this criteria, right? Um, and then there's also obviously, of course, the local hacker thing. So if you're, you know, if a live hacking event is getting hosted in your city, there's a chance that you'll get invited to that simply because you're local and you don't require you know, flight and hotel yeah. and that sort of thing. So that's something to be on the lookout for I mean, as well. The, most, uh, the, the biggest change they did this year, I don't think you mentioned it the, on the docs, but I see it here. So basically from last year, they introduced a new criteria to have up to top 10 researchers mm -hmm. from the past events. Mm -hmm. So they take the past three events, they accumulate the top 10 for each event, then they take the top 10 of the bounties, like individual bounties from the last three events, mm -hmm. and they have another leaderboard and they invite the top 10. Mm. So this year they made it 20. Okay. So there are mm. 20 people. Either you got 
MVH, Best uh, Exterminator, any other award, or Top 10 based on bounties. It really helps you, like, you got the chance once, if you will be on the top five, top 10, get awards every event, you will be there again, mm. which is very good. I mean, you don't want like to be invited to an event, do very well, and then you wouldn't answer any other criteria. So yeah. you would be going. So that's, I think, the biggest and best Speaking, thing. Speaking from the heart right now, aren't you, Nagli? Yeah. No, I, mean, uh, I, 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 I like this. five performance for all of 2023, right? No, no, it was. In, I mean, in, the, in Vegas, I was top 10 because mm. it was two targets, but I was top 10 across most of them. But yeah, I mean, it helps you to also push harder when you get invited and not just lay back and <laughs> and chill like try to do a good job to get invited to the next one yeah. and also this year they mentioned specifically that they they i think they saw a little bit of trend of people who really don't find any bugs or don't mm-hmm. even try i mean to mm-hmm. have do and i think they specifically mentioned if we saw people who were invited and didn't really even try or something they they take it into consideration as well for yeah for event yeah no i think the trying piece is is pivotal because I think if you don't try, it's just disrespectful and it's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's squandering an opportunity that a lot of other people would fight really hard to get their hands on. Um, so de- I'm definitely glad to see that as well. And I guess within the life hacking group circle, that, that extra, you know, top 10 piece is really interesting. Unfortunately, I, you know, they, they called out specifically in here, the, the, um, MVH, you know, would be included in the, yeah, uh, the top 10. In, in the top 10 list or whatever, but I don't see that same little caveat that they've had in years past of MVH is being invited for the live hacking events for the next year, um, in there anymore. So, uh, I guess there, there are so many now, you know, yeah, I mean, like yeah. a lot of MVH and a lot of events, like plus five events a year. So it, I mean, you could have like. 10 award winners and event if you collab for exterminator and for yeah. best collab so it's like it's harder now i guess to, it, it's to... definitely becoming more tricky um and then the last one that i wanted to to call out here was the plus one nominations which i still think is one of the best ways to get invited to a live hacking event if that's your goal is to collaborate well with somebody who gets an invite to a live hacking event and then get that plus one nomination and get chosen for that. And for that, they don't lay out the specific stats that will result in their decision, you know, because they can't accept everyone who's nominated. But, uh, you know, if you have a good hacker one profile and you get nominated as a, as a plus one, you certainly have an opportunity. One of the things that I saw here though, was multiple nominations does not increase the priority. Excuse me. Does not increase the priority to ensure consistency and fair review. So that's one thing that we've kind of talked about before at, at the top level of like, okay, we've got this specific friend that wants to be invited. You know, we all want him there, and, and so we all put him as a plus one. You know, in hopes that he'll get he'll get chosen. But they've made a specific caveat this year that that is not the it case. Makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, so that that is that does make it a little bit more difficult to sort of brute force that process uh, and try to force the people you want to get chosen in. But um, you know, I'm definitely looking looking for this this plus one nominations thing is one of the key um, pieces of the live hacking event sauce in finding people who are able to perform at live hacking events. Uh, a, you know, through referral essentially. So I'm I'm continuing to. To look forward to seeing how that that is going to play out yeah i think in general we need to be grateful to have events at all and even to be invited it's like very it's crazy opportunity to have a good time find good bugs learn like so it's very every time we get one and i hope there will be as many as as possible and also with background integrity i hope they will take to have like mm-hmm. they will do well also in this year for in terms of live hacking events and yeah, yeah i'm looking forward for the next uh, next year yeah me too man for sure um, all right. The last thing that I wanted to cover before we we get some food, I know I've been teasing you with dinner, like no, okay, <laughs> we'll go okay. get some dinner. But I can survive. No, no, no. <laughs> um, is 
this whole concept of bug bounty motivation. And you've, you've shared with me while you've been here, uh, you know, maybe when we're chilling in the hot tub or, or you know, relaxing, um, that you struggled a little bit with motivation with bug bounty outside of the life hacking events. Um, and one of the ways you've tried to solve that is by setting up this, you know, f- uh, 50K bounties in 50 days challenge and and kind of trying to motivate yourself. And I'm sure the Ambassador World Cup also helped, um, but trying to motivate yourself outside of life hacking events. Um, do you, th- so two, two part question here, okay? First, first question is, do you think life hacking events ha- have sort of poisoned your brain uh, in, in and kind of made it more difficult for you to focus on non-life hacking event targets? And then two, what are some ways that you have found to try to motivate yourself outside of a live hacking event? Yeah, I don't know if it's the challenge or if it's the public accountability because the leaderboard is open for everyone or if it's the fight with friends, but definitely every gamification, external factors helps you to focus more and know because like I said, I've now 90 different programs that I know we pay well mm-hmm. if I focus on them, mm-hmm. but how can you focus on 90 programs with mm-hmm. 500 wood domains and mm-hmm. 250,000 sub mm-hmm. So that's like the question, where do I focus now? Oh, wait, I focus here, my ROI wouldn't be that good for other programs. Mm-hmm. So it's like in poker, they say EV, you know, expected value. Do you want to play the hand? If you, I mean, do you expect how much you could earn if you make this play based on the probability mm-hmm. and stuff? Like in general, I mean, am I making the right choice focusing on this program when I have all of the other programs waiting? So the best way to have the best EV or the best ROI is like when there is an event and everyone is focused and mm-hmm. you can get invited to the next event if you do well. So that's like the best ROI that I can get. Mm-hmm. I don't know in real, like on normal times, we don't know where is the best ROI to get. I mean, maybe if someone tweets, oh, I got 100K from Epic Games, so I got 250K from another pop, maybe the best ROI will be there at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the moment, like where would we find the best ROI at a given time? So. Some of the people I know were looking at the activity feed on Aki One just mm-hmm. to see a program who resolve the bug to see, okay, they're alive. Mm-hmm. Let's check them because they're active. Mm-hmm. Now we can't do it because they changed something the, in the activity, but they will revert it back, I think. But it's basically like that. I mean, find a way to know which programs are active, paying, if you can make a competition or between people like a league or something like, you know, mm-hmm. to, to have extra, extra motivation to do better. Mm-hmm. But between, yeah. between you and your friends, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, for, for the, the fun, fun, for the banter, just for, to focus with another person. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of ideas that I don't have answers for, but if anyone knows. So. Or, or maybe, or maybe fly out to Virginia and hang out with your friend in person and do some hacking there. Yeah, competition and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that, that's good. Um, yeah, it's a hard problem to solve the bug bounty motivation thing. And, and I kind of shared with you, um, when we were talking about this, that, you know, for me, it's, it's a lot about forcing yourself to start doing it. And then from there you get curious about the target, right? You, you, for me, I, I get that technical curiosity that kind of grows. Um, and, but in the beginning, you really got to force yourself to go, you know, back down that deep dive again, uh, which is definitely hard to do. So it's a, it's a struggle that we all kind of deal with and we'll continue to overcome as bug bounty hunters. But uh, I'm sure it, it helps everyone who's listening to the podcast to know that a top hunter, uh, even a top automationist like yourself, uh, deals with those sort of similar struggles. So thanks for sharing that. Not yeah. All right, man, the time has come. Let's go get some dinner. Okay. I think I think that's it. That's a wrap. Okay. All right. Peace.